here in uh, Philippians, Philippians, Philippians chapter number four, and um, it's probably nothing new here that I'm going to give you, but um, maybe just give you give it to you in a new light. People are oftentimes asking, what what are the needs of missions? What are the needs of missions? What are the needs? Uh, that missionaries have or that uh, works have. And so I just want to take Philippians here and I want to show you what the Apostle Paul had said here. Um, you know, we are doing a little bit of a um, different style of missions that is typically known um, for mission work. We, as your pastor mentioned, we started this um, about 16 years ago, I started traveling just as a pastor and just checking up on our missionaries and not just checking up on them, but um, helping them, doing everything we could do to help. And, you know, I was just personally, I was challenged by a, a pastor, a much older uh, pastor of uh, times, uh, years gone by. In fact, he pastored for many, many years in, in Colorado and he said, you know, as a pastor, you or as a church, you're, we're required to uh, keep uh, good tabs and to know what's going on with our mission money. If we're given mission money to certain missionaries, then we should follow up on it. Don't just take the letter that you get once in a while, but try your best to do a follow-up. And so that's kind of where it started. So I said, okay, so I'll do a follow-up. So I went to visit one missionary, and I think I went to Mexico, if I remember right. Went to Mexico, and, um, and I thought, wow, you know, that's different. And again, we didn't go just directly over the border. We went down to Guadalajara area and into Mexico City and different various places to a few missionary works and, and um, got to see some great works. I got to see the, the needs that were there. You know, we didn't have to wait for them to put it in a prayer letter. We saw the needs. We saw what was needed to be done on their building and what was needed to be done in their church building and uh, lighting. I mean, they, they, they had a big, big auditorium and like two lights in the entire auditorium. And those barely worked. And I thought, my goodness, that'd be so simple for us to get new lighting. And, you know, we just were able to see the needs. But when was the last time a missionary sent something saying, we need new lighting in our building? They're probably not going to, right? They're probably not ever going to, but I was able to see that need. So that just led to one, to the next, to the next, to the next, and now I don't even remember. Do you remember how many trips now to Africa? I want to say 42, but my kids keep telling me, Dad, you've said 42 like 10 times. Uh, but anyway, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a lot. And, um, you know, just going in and out of multiple countries and, and doing the work but, and, and helping and seeing the needs and then coming back. And we're no one special, by all means. Absolutely nobody special. We just go and you see the need and then you do your best to meet the need as God shows it to you. And, you know, I was talking to one pastor, uh, I don't remember, a couple, few months ago. And he said, well, that's an interesting way to do missions. I've never heard of it done that way. And I said, well... We're not actually any, um, anyone special. We haven't come up with this idea. I think the Apostle Paul is the first one that figured this one out. But just going for a short period of time, months maybe, but uh, discipling, leading people to Christ, winning people to Christ, going and finding new works, branching out, helping start new churches, using the nationals, uh, getting that national trained, 
appointing him, which is exactly what the Apostle Paul did, appointing them, and then moving on, and then following up on them. It's exactly the way the Apostle Paul did it. And uh, again, I'm not calling myself the Apostle Paul at all, but that's uh, just a very um, uh, amazing way, and it's, we've seen it be so successful and productive, and uh, it's an awesome, it really is, it's awesome for our church, small church, to be able to see um, 30 some odd churches we've been able to start in the time period we pastored there, just, just shy of 20 years. And, um, and then since then, we've seen just in one year, this, just this past year, we've seen eight brand new churches started. And so we're not, um, but we're, it's not because of us, it's because of using the principle that the Apostle Paul and Christ decided, God decided to put down in his word for us to follow, right? That's why he gave us his word. It said, here, here's a guideline, follow it, and you can, you can do it. And that's what we're doing. And the national pastors, really, they're the ones that are going to reach their country. Um, they're the ones. They, they can't be deported. You know, they can't be shipped out because they broke some policy or law. Um, they're there. And they're okay with going back into the bush. A lot of them, you know, we go back in. My wife will tell you, we were back in, in uh, South America uh, last year. And, and we were way, way back into this area off the Amazon uh, River and riding these rickety boats, water spilling in the whole time. We're literally bailing water the entire time. The boat was only a deep, water's coming in, much like riding in a canoe, but with water coming in constantly. And um, my, my, we, we get back in here and we're hiking through the jungle. We're Literally, we're trying to stay off the little skinny path because it's all muddy and dirty where other people have walked. We try to walk around the edge and they say, stop, don't do that. Stay in the middle. The poisonous snakes are on the sides. They're waiting for you to walk along the side. So, okay, stay right in the middle. Doesn't matter if it's muddy or not, right? And so we're just going through those areas and, you know, you wouldn't believe where we are. You, you listen to the National Geographic videos with the birds and the animals. Ah, ah, all, I know, you're going to make fun of me now. But you hear all those animals and you're like, I can't believe we're literally in this jungle. And yet, then one of the national guys was there and he's like, uh, Pastor, this right through the trees, right there is where I grew up. That's my village. There was nothing to see. So where? Just, just right over there. That's where I grew up. This is where God wants me to come back and start a church. And, you know, that, it's nothing to him. It's not a big deal to him. He's grown up there. So it's no wonder, you know, that it's easier for us to get these churches started. Because, again, we're using those nationals that say, I'm used to this. This is my backyard, man. This is, this is what, the way I grew up. And God prepared me to come back to bring the gospel to my people. But anyway, it's just an awesome thing. This is all not even in my lesson. Philippians chapter number four. But scripture provides us with a permanent record of the deeds of the church here at Philippi. Uh, small in numerical standards, yet really they set a amazing pace for us as a modern-day church to follow. I mean, they, 
fairly small in, the, in, in their standards of giving, but at the same time, today, many of our churches would just go crazy trying to keep up with what they were doing and what, how they were involved with the gospel just being taken across um, the, the continent there and continents. Um, three uh, principal characteristics here that I would like to point out here in this passage, but if you look here at Philippians chapter number four, let's go ahead and read some of these verses if you would. We're not going to read too quickly, but let's read them together, all right? Philippians four and verse number 10 through 19. Let's read all these, all right? But I received in the Lord greatly. Are you all there? Philippians four, or am I in the wrong one? No, we're there. In verse number 10, but I received of the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity, not that I speak in the respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to abase and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, ye have well done, that ye do communicate with my affliction. Now, ye Philippians, know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of the Ephroditus and the things which you were sent from you in the odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Father, we love you. Speak to our hearts. Challenge us through your word. And through this teaching time, in your name we pray, amen. We have here um, these, uh, there's lots here in foundation just to lay some things here, but we've got some uh, various principles here that I want you to notice. Verse number 10 through 12, there was a need to be met. There was a need. I don't think there's anyone, and I'm not going to spend a long time here on this point, but I don't think anybody here that would do any type of traveling or any type of um, looking at all, even even some trips to some international airports. I, I used to tell my church this often, if you have not experienced much in the way of international um, uh, travel or just seeing people from other lands coming in, um, even going to an international airport. I, I know you can't get totally into the airport without a, a ticket or whatever, but you can get close and you can get to the exit where especially, depending on the airport, wherever it is, JFK or wherever you're going, you know, you can see all of those flights coming in internationally and you just see it plane after plane and you see the people coming in, but you see, you can see the need 
quickly if you begin to watch, you begin to look, you begin to read, you begin to watch and see what's happening. But there is a need. For us to deny that there's a need would be for us to just say, you know, I don't want to look and see there's a need. There is a need. Obviously, Christ told us there was a need, number one, right? He told us there was a need. There's a world that needs to hear the gospel. They need to hear the gospel. They've got to hear the gospel. And you know who Christ chose to give that gospel message out? Us. Us. I, I don't know if I told you this last year or not. I read this some years ago in one of Oswald J. Smith's books, great missionary and pastor of yesteryears for sure. But, you know, he tells a hypothetical story that he says, you know, it's, it, again, not true in a sense, but just a thought process to get you intrigued. You know, in Jesus Christ, when he, when he came down, of course, he became man. He dies for us on the cross. He gives everything sacrificially, sacrificed himself for us. And he, uh, his blood's taken to the mercy seat, right? And then he comes and he gives some, some in, instruction to his followers, not just the disciples, by the way, to the followers there. Before he ascends back into heaven for the last time, before he goes back to sit with the Father, he gives some last instructions to more than just the disciples. They weren't just the preachers. They were to all believers, men and women, and anybody that was there, right? We all know this. He gave the instruction. His last command ought to be our first priority. He told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. That was his last command. It ought to be our very first priority in life is to obey his last command. But with that being said, as he ascends and goes back to heaven, he gets to heaven and he's greeted by the angels who, you know, here's the, the God, the Father's sons come home now and he's back home in heaven and the angels say, oh, Jesus, great job, good job. Maybe some high fives, some patting them on the back. Jesus, you do know we would have come down. If, if God would have led us, we would have taken you off the cross. I know, I know, guys, I know. Thanks, thanks, I appreciate it. But... The angel said, okay, Jesus, you did good, man. That was awesome. We never saw anything so great as that. But what's the plan now? I mean, what's the plan to get it to all the world? And he said, well, the plan is that I, I, I chose a, a small band of men and all the believers there, and I told them to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And the angels kind of looked at him, kind of stared at him and said, okay, Jesus, that's a good idea. I mean, great idea, wonderful, but... What's plan B if they don't do that? And Jesus just says, no, there's no plan B. There's no plan B. Can you think of that for a minute and realize that the plan A is only plan that was given? He didn't set some big organization or institution or he didn't set anybody in charge of this. He just gave it to the band of believers and said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. So there is a need. So first and foremost here, you read there in verse number 10 and through verse number 12, he, you know, he says there's a need. But in verse number 11, he says, now, that I, not that I speak in respect of one. He says, like, listen, I'm not speaking in respect of what I want, for I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content content. I've learned just be content. It doesn't matter 
wherever it is, just learn to be content. I'm not saying this. He says it later. We read it. I'm not saying this for my account. I'm not trying to say it so that I always get the best. I'm saying it for your sake. I'm telling you this, church, for your sake, to let you know there is a need. I both, I both know how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. He's like, listen, I, it's, I've learned it's fine. It's okay. You know, I'm, I, again, I'm not telling you this at all. I'm, I, please, I hope you don't think this. I'm not telling you this because this is something I'm trying to compare myself to Paul, but I do kind of feel and see a little, a little glimpse only a tiny glimpse of what Paul kind of was thinking about and being hungry and some of these things. You know, when we come back from these trips, and again, we're not there a long time, but it's, it's, it's pretty high level of, of um, just putting your body into a whole different realm. Um, you know, just between our, I was telling your pastor yesterday, between the group that just was with us, there were six of us, we lost 72 pounds. Six of us. Just my sons and I, just the three of us, we lost uh, uh, 43 pounds. Now, you say, well, you could have lost more. I know I could have lost more. You're right, I should have. But with just the few of us, you know, you lose my son, the one, Aaron, the, uh, the 19. He lost 18 pounds. He didn't really have 18 pounds to lose. My youngest son, he lost 10 pounds. He for sure doesn't have it to lose. He's been trying to put weight on. He's been drinking all the protein drinks. He's been trying to put weight on. Then we go on these trips. He's like, Dad, you know this doesn't help me. I'm like, I know, I know. But you know, you go to these places and, and you eat. You eat just what you have to. You don't eat because you love it. You don't eat. And maybe some of you in here are fine with this, but you know, when they bring you fish and the entire thing's cooked and they eat everything. You know, the skin's there, the head's there, the tail's there, all the bones. Everything's there, and they just, they just eat it all. Eat it all together. You know, uh, it's, you know, you, you, they, they cook you rice. They want to do you well, and they want to cook you rice, and they cook you rice. But, you know, I told them, we take water filters. We filter all of our water because the, all the parasites and all of the bacteria and all of the different things that are in there that will make you sick very, very quick. I mean, within hours, you'll be sick. And um, we, we, we do what we need to do. But when they cook you rice and bring it to you, they don't boil that rice for 10 minutes. They barely bring it to a boil. Dump the rice in there just like we would do here, right? And then you let it soak up all that water and all those, everything else that's in there. And then you eat it and they feed it to you. And you're like, yeah, yummy, thank you. Thank you. We appreciate that. You know, but it just... It, but I know, you know, the feeling that you'll have maybe this afternoon or sometimes when you go to a buffet, you ever go to a buffet and you eat and you eat and you've got to eat because you have to get your money's worth, right? You have to. And you're so full and you're like, but I haven't even got dessert yet, but I have to go do it. I mean, it's just part of the rules. You know that feeling that when you leave and you're just so full, Thanksgiving's coming and you're so full and you're just like, Oh, I ate too much. I shouldn't have eaten that much. You'll never have that feeling on a missions trip. Bottom line, you'll never have that feeling. You eat, but 
typically you're still hungry. Or at least your body thinks you're hungry. But, you know, that's what the Apostle Paul is teaching here. And he's saying, he's, listen, I'm not saying this for my account. I've understood. I've come to the realization everywhere I am and in all things, I'm instructed to both be full and to be, uh, to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And then he gives, the, of course, the famous verse, I can do all things through Christ which strengthen me. And that's what I want to encourage you with this morning there too. I have many a people, even pastors, sadly, that will say, I'll, I'll never take a missions trip. Listen, folks, I can do all things for Christ is for all of us. Right? It's for all of us. It's for every one of us. And, and, and we can do those things through Christ. We can do anything. I'm not saying that God's wanting you to do it, but maybe he is. I don't know. But if he is, you can do it. Because if that's what he wants you to do, you can do it. It's quiet in here. Are you all still sleepy? No, God, you can do it, no matter who you are. Um, I, I, uh, you know, the Apostle Paul had a need, but he didn't, uh, he did not advertise it. The Apostle Paul had a need, but he did not demand that it be met. Paul set out to do the job with or without the support. You know, that was one thing that as a pastor, I don't know how you do your process here, but this is, again, how, as a pastor, one of the things that I would always ask a missionary when they came in, I would ask them, you know, what's your, what's your missionary support level? Um, and they would typically tell you your support, their support level. And I'd say, now, what's your date for leaving? When do you know, without a doubt, God wants you on the field? And a lot of times they would say, well, I don't really have a date set. It only, I have to reach that 100% before I leave. And I, you know, just for me as a pastor, obviously other pastors do it way differently. But, you know, that's not what the Apostle Paul did. The Apostle Paul didn't do that. The Apostle Paul went whether the supply that he thought was there or not, he left. And he made do with what God provided. I'm not telling people to be foolish or silly, but at the same time, also, you know, sadly, you know, some, you know, inflation changes all the time. So if a missionary stays on deputation for five years and inflation just keeps changing, then you just stay on deputation. And it happens, sadly, sometimes. But I would, I would always, I would, I'd like that missionary who would say, listen, here's the date. I've already got the tickets planned. I've already got my plan to go with or without whatever amount that my mission board told me. And if they said that, I'm like, ooh, this guy's he's serious. This guy's he's like the Apostle Paul here. He says, I, I can figure it out. God, God can take care of me when I get there. Find a good man and meet his needs. That's what, that's what was going on. But the church of Jerusalem looked after his own needs, and there's little record of them recorded uh, or reaching beyond uh, the city of Jerusalem, uh, as, as I've maybe said here before, but Jerusalem had a great church, wonderful church. Thousands were coming to Christ daily, right? But there's little recorded about Jerusalem reaching beyond that until Christ scattered them. Once Christ scattered them, then they started to reach and do bigger things and greater things. But it's second light. There was um, encouragement given. Look at verse number 15 through 18 there, if you remember now. Now, 
he says that there was some encouragement given. But he says in verse number 15, no church communicated with me concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. It's only one church. No other church even communicated with me about this. But you got, they were an encouragement here, right? They were an encouragement. And Paul, Paul talks, says, man, you did great. It was awesome. I'm glad that you, you followed up. And, uh, and then verse number 17, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. So I don't need the gift, but don't you want the fruit to abound to your account? You know, for those of you here in the church, if you give um, towards missions, let me just say to you, you're a part of 100% of all the monies that your money has given this year, that your church, your, your church gave to Mission Uttermost, went towards helping these national churches be started. 100%. Our family, God's taking care of our family other ways. We're not, we don't need a certain amount of money by churches. We're, God's taking care of our family other ways. But 100% of what you gave, you helped start those national churches this year. You helped them. You helped the national pastor. One's Gaylord. Just so you know, Gaylut, and I was just there in Congo. We just starting a brand new church, and they're building bricks. They're building block outside. They're making the mud blocks, and they're mixing just a little bit of concrete in them. They're letting them dry in the sun, and then they're putting them together, and they're getting ready to start their second church already in the last two years. Second church. Pastor Solomon, same thing. Since 2021, I think, is the first time that we... Uh, got to be able to meet and, and be a part with Brother Solomon. We we're training him, teaching him about giving back and not just being happy with what God's given to you with the church and the ministry. He started two churches since 2021. Pastor Solomon in Congo. Two, new, two brand new locations. I just went to a new one. I didn't even know it had started. Just two months ago, they started the church. He said, I got to show you how the church we started. I said, you showed, that, showed me that last year. He said, no, we started another one. I said, you what? Said, yeah, I want to go see it. He's like, yeah, man, God just, there's more needs. I said, you're right. There is more needs. And you're, all I'm saying is you're a part of that. You're a part of that. By the way, we don't just hand stuff to our national pastors, even Pastor Solomon. He said, we're hoping to get a tent he said, we're hoping to get it. Their rainy season is about to start. It's about to start. I mean, it actually started when we were there, but it's going to get heavy where it rains four, five, six days a week. I mean, heavy, heavy rains. He said, what we're hoping to have is just a small temporary tent shelter for this year. We're not going to have time to build a building. They just started the church two months ago. He's like, we're hoping to just have a tent. I said, well, that's a good idea. He said, how much have you saved for it? He said, we've already saved 150 U.S. dollars. I said, Wow. And by the way, wow, that's a lot of money for them to save. I said, that is incredible. I said, you tell you, how many of your people have been praying about the tent? They said, everybody's been praying and asking God to provide. I said, good, awesome. I said, Mission Uttermost will match that. We're gonna double that. We want you to get that tent. I said, but don't tell them the missionary answered your prayer because the missionaries can't answer prayers. Only God answers prayer. Don't let them think that the white guy came to town and that's how come you got the extra money. Don't tell them that. Say, church, you prayed about it. Your prayer was answered. God met the need. 
And folks, you're a part of that. We don't need the credit here on earth, right? We don't need it. If we get the credit, we get the rewards here, then we skip out on the greater rewards in heaven. Amen? So anyway, I just, um, don't forget it. Be an encouragement. The encouragement was given. There was eternal fruit, verse number 17. Look at it. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. That's eternal fruit, amen? There was that promise that was given. Look, verse number 19, we'll sum it up here. But my God shall supply what? All. My God shall supply all your need. God will supply all our needs. You say, well, I don't know if I can afford to give more to mission. I don't know if I can afford to meet that missionary need. I don't know if I can afford. You can, because your God will supply the need. If it's a need, God supplies our needs, right? Not always our wants. Just because there's a new iPhone out doesn't mean that we have to have it. God, that's my need. No, it's not a need. It's not a need. Just because there's new shoes or new this or new that, but that's not a need. But God will supply all our needs according to his riches and glory. You know what God's looking for? God's looking to give to giving people. If you're willing to give, God wants to give to you. Because that's what he's looking for. I want to give to people who are giving. God doesn't want to give. I'm sure your pastor shared with you the, the silent sermon. Remember, we learned that years ago, right? The silent sermon. But you know, that's what God wants to do. He wants to give to people who are willing to give. Young person, are you willing to give? Are you willing to give your time? Are you willing to give a week, two weeks, a year, two years? Hey, the Mormons are willing to do it. The Jehovah's Witnesses are willing to do it. The Muslims are willing to do it. By the way, the Mormon parents are willing to let their kids go because they're going to be a missionary. Think about it for a minute. How come we run into so many of those missionaries overseas, but we don't run into born-again Christian missionaries very often? It's sad. It's very sad. But there is a need, and you can help supply the need, I promise you. Let God use you to supply the need. Father, we love you. Thank you for this time together. Thank you.